Stephen Sample was the guest speaker in my class. And one of the things he said in his talk was, in the course of your lifetime, you're going to have five to six different careers, not jobs, but careers. And I remember sitting there thinking, Stephen Sample is a great university president, but this old man needs to be put out to pasture because he has no idea what he's talking about. I'm going to have one career. I know exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to be running a baseball team. And Stephen Sample was right. How does someone go from working for a hedge fund and attempting to climb the ladder in corporate America, transition to writing and interviewing some of the most well-known leaders in all industries all over the world on leadership and success? Well, this week's episode explores just that with a guest who answers this question and many more. What do you want to do with your life? What do you want to do with your life? What do you want to do with your life? Understandably, a tough question for any 20-something to answer. So join me, your host, Taylor Marks of the Rise Year Podcast, as I talk with some cool people about what they do and occasionally go on long rants of my own about the pains of growing up. Today's guest is Adam Mindler, who growing up always had dreamed of running a baseball team, but life happens and eventually after graduating from the University of Southern California, he started working at a hedge fund. After a few years of working in corporate America and getting a master's degree, he decided he wanted to make more of an impact on people's lives. So he left the corporate world and started the Veloz Group with his brother. Now he is the CEO of the company, as well as being a keynote speaker, writing for well-known sites such as Forbes and Inc., and he hosts his own podcast, 30-Minute Mentors, Leaders to Listen to. I run a company called the Velos Group. We have a few different businesses that we run. We have two different e-commerce businesses. We have a software consulting business. I also do a lot of writing and speaking. I have a podcast called 30-Minute Mentors, where I go one-on-one -on -one each week with the most successful people in the country on how they got to the top for 30 minutes. So leading founders and CEOs, celebrities, athletes, influencers, military leaders. And it's an opportunity really for me to bring forth the best network of mentors possible to a broad audience of listeners interested in becoming more successful personally and professionally. My path is unique. I didn't think I'd be an entrepreneur when I was a kid. When I was seven years old, I wanted to run a baseball team. When I was 22 years old, I wanted to run a baseball team. By the time I was 28, I had worked for a couple of really big companies. I had worked for um, two huge organizations in the world of finance. I also interned for two big companies in the entertainment space, a big agency and a big studio. And I felt like if I was ever gonna do something entrepreneurial, it was the right time. That was the right moment for me. So I did it. I started the Velos Group with my brother. We joined forces and 
eight years later, the rest has been history. So we've been on this interesting journey and a lot of highs, a lot of lows, a lot of ups, a lot of downs, but been a lot of fun. And it's led me to, in addition to the work I do on the entrepreneurial side, a lot of speaking. I give talks to businesses. I give talks to universities. I give talks to nonprofits. I've written a lot. I've had about 70 articles published in Forbes and Inc. and Huffington Post. And, and then my podcast, which I mentioned. So it's been an interesting ride and a lot of fun. Well, a little bit of everything. <laughs> yeah. I saw that you went to USC. So when you were in undergrad, did you expect, did you kind of have this trajectory of you knew what you were going to do for those, I guess you said six years before you decided at 28, you're like, oh, I'm going to be an entrepreneur. Did you kind I of- I knew exactly what I was going to do. I was going to run a baseball team. That was <laughs> what I was going to do. So yeah, I, when I was a college student, I had my life planned. Yes. And what's the line? Man plans, God laughs. So my plans changed and they change all the time. And it's important for anyone listening to be flexible, to be nimble, set plans, set goals, but set them in pencil. Don't set them in red ink because you might need to use an eraser at some point. So what happened at 28 where you were like, this is the time? Well, I had worked for a couple of really big companies and I felt like I knew what life was like working in corporate America. I already had that taste in my mouth. So I, I just had that itch that I wanted to scratch. I knew that my energy was never going to be higher. I knew that my expenses were never going to be lower. It was the right moment for me. I was getting paid well, but it wasn't like I was making the kind of money that I couldn't walk away from. If I would have waited five years, maybe I would have been in a position that I, I couldn't have ever done this. So I just felt like for every reason pointing to me, I just had to do it. The biggest reason of all was I wanted to make more of an impact. I didn't feel like I was making as much of an impact as I could working at a big company, being a cog in the machine. And I felt like starting my own business would be an opportunity for me to really go out and make a difference. And all those reasons inspired me to go and take the leap. Did you have a specific type of impact that you wanted to make initially? The same kind of impact that I've hopefully been able to make through all the different businesses that I've had, which is to bring positivity in other people's lives, whether it's through building a company that has been able to bring on interns and employees and give them a path to grow and develop and be a part of a cool and exciting and fun culture whether it's through the products that we've been selling and, and providing to customers. We have an office furniture company called Beverly Hills Chairs, and we sell the best office chairs to people all over the country. Now we're selling to a lot of home offices during this Corona period. And we get messages all the time from customers all over America telling us just how much they love 
our, not only our chairs, but how much more they love their lives because of the fact that they now have these chairs and are able to buy them affordably. I mean, those are a couple of things, but clearly mm-hmm. through my writing, my speaking, my podcasting, that's what really gives me a platform to make as big an impact as possible. I love the ability to infuse as much positivity as possible. And that's the common thread with all of my work. What led you to leadership and giving keynote speeches? I've always loved both. I've always been passionate about leadership. Even as a kid, I always found myself in and around leadership roles. I was the student body president of my grade school. I was the captain of my high school baseball team. I was coaching sports teams even when I was in high school. And I've always been driven to lead. I've always been inspired to lead. And as an entrepreneur, I've been leading businesses and leading teams in a professional setting. And that manifested itself in a number of different ways. And I sort of stumbled into conducting this interview series where I interviewed hundreds of the most successful leaders in America on how they got to the top and on their best advice for people interested in the topic of leadership. So it's just been a cool way for me to learn and grow as a leader at the same time that I'm helping my audience learn and grow as well. And um, it's just been a, a ton of fun for me. What made you start? The, so you started the podcast, you said, in 2020, right at the beginning of this year? Yeah, uh, end of January. End of January, okay. That seems to be doing pretty well. How do you like that versus doing, do you see a difference from that versus the interviews that you've done previously? I love the podcasting. So Taylor, you have a podcast, you and I are having the opportunity to connect right now through this awesome medium. And what I found with the interviews that I've done through my Thrive Global series, what's cool about them is anyone can go online and read in a thousand or 1500 or 2000 words, some interesting and applicable and powerful snippets from really successful people. But what the podcast does is gives anyone interested in this kind of content the ability to go a step deeper, two steps deeper, even five or six steps deeper. And you don't want to go too deep because you might drown. But it's just a great platform to really be able to connect, not only with me, I mean, I'm, these shows aren't about me, but to connect with my guests, to connect with these incredibly successful people. I did an interview with Rob Lowe, and at the end of the interview, anyone listening feels like they know Rob Lowe. You are a part of Rob Lowe's life at the end of that 30-minute interview. I spent the interview talking to Rob about his journey, about his recovery from some really dark moments, about how he bounced back and got to the top, his ups and downs personally, his ups and downs professionally and all the best lessons he learned along the way. We also spoke about some of the stuff he's done on TV as well. 
So that's an example of an interview I did that for 30 minutes, having been able to converse with Rob, anyone tuning in can be a part of that conversation, can be a part of that experience, and can come along and really enjoy the ride. When you're reading an article, I don't necessarily know that you have that same experience. So that's a big reason why I love these podcasts. If you could do anything in the world, would it be what you're doing currently with all these different bits and pieces that you have going on, or would you be doing something completely different? If I could do anything, Taylor, it would be being on this podcast every day. <laughs> I, unfortunately, I'm only on it right now. I don't know when I'm going to be invited back on it. Hopefully my performance today will justify an invitation to come back again. But that would, that's what I would love to do more than anything. I'd say so. What was the biggest thing that you learned in college? I learned so much in college. My God, that was, what are four years? <laughs> oh my God. How, how do I condense? How do I condense four years of learning into a 30 second soundbite? My God, Taylor, you're, you're asking too much of me. Come on. <laughs> you can cram all of it into 30 seconds they could be like one word bits whatever it is how would you i, I wrote an that? article that got picked up by ink and the article i wrote was about a class i took in college when i was a sophomore at usc and it was a political science class i got two degrees at usc i got a business degree and political science degree and i remember vividly i was 19 years old and the guest speaker in my political science class was the president of the university at the time. And the president's name was Stephen Sample. Stephen Sample was a great university president. He helped build USC to what it is today. USC was not known to be a great academic institution before Stephen Sample arrived. It wasn't the place that people went to when they wanted to learn. It was the place people went to when they wanted to party. And when Stephen Sample came in, he really turned around the institution on so many fronts, brought in unbelievable professors, brought in so many tremendous people across the university. So Stephen Sample was the guest speaker in my class. And one of the things he said in his talk was, in the course of your lifetime, you're going to have five to six different careers, not jobs, but careers. And I remember sitting there thinking, Stephen Sample is a great university president, but this old man needs to be put out to pasture because he has no idea what he's talking about. I'm going to have one career. I know exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to be running a baseball team. And Stephen Sample was right. I've had at least five to six different careers. So that was the best piece of advice I got in college. If you could go back, would you do anything different? If I could go back, I would do so many things differently. <laughs> Who wouldn't? Are you serious? Does anyone answer that question and say that they have no regrets in life? Because if they do, they're completely bullshitting you. Oh, am I allowed to say bullshit? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, know, I know that we have some high school students listening in. And I don't know if high school students have ever heard the word bullshit before. So <laughs> I don't want to ruin any virgin ears out there <laughs> well it's it's clicked explicit so i think they get like notified <laughs> of 
So hopefully, I mean, you're just preparing them for college. So in the hopes <laughs> they will eventually hear it. Anyone who says that they've lived life with no regrets is full of shit. My only, my only caveat with that was um, some people were like, no, just due to the fact that whatever they went through led them to where they are now. So that's kind of why I say that. No way, Taylor. If I could, if I had a time machine and I could redo, I, I would make changes to things that I did today. I would make changes to things that I did yesterday. I mean, we're all, we make mistakes every day. Who wouldn't want to fix them? So. So yes, I've, I certainly have regrets. I certainly have things that I would love to do differently. And I think that anyone who says that they would never would, would go back and wouldn't change a thing is lying to you or lying to themselves. So kind of to piggyback off of that, um, if you were to say you were 20 some odd years old now, or I mean, you can go back to college now, but- um, In my mind, I still am. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So would you, if you hadn't gone to university, um, would it be worth it in this day and age kind of disregard the current situation that we're in, but on any other situation, if it was like 2019, 2020, would you still deem it worthy and useful to go to like a typical university? Yeah, I, I am a big believer in the power of a college education. I am a big believer in the power of a college degree. I'm mixed on the importance of going to graduate school. I think that's a much more personal decision. I think that that really varies based on whatever circumstance you're in. But I do think college is something that is not necessarily for everyone, but is for a lot of people. It certainly was great for me. I would absolutely unequivocally do it again. Give me a time machine, Taylor, and I'm going back to college <laughs> in a heartbeat. So no doubt in my mind, college is awesome. Graduate school, I personally loved. I loved getting an MBA. It was mm -hmm. cool. It was a fun experience. But I don't necessarily know that that is the right thing for everyone because there are a lot of pros and cons to it. So well, what are the pros and cons? Well, for, for one, it's really expensive. And for two, it's time. It takes up a significant amount of time in your life. So... You need to weigh the cost, both the financial cost and the opportunity cost against the benefit. And the question becomes, well, what is the benefit? So in some people's lives, the benefit could be enormous. In other people's lives, the benefit could be marginal. So I think you need to ask yourself, how big is this cost to me? And what kind of benefit do I expect to get in return? Did you go straight into graduate school after undergrad? No, I took a couple of years in between. I worked for a hedge fund for about two and a half years in between my college and my MBA. Is that what you did right after school? So you just went right into the hedge fund job? Exactly. Did you feel stressed from work that you needed an MBA or you just kind of realized that you wanted to go in a different path and you needed one? Well, as a kid, I always knew that I would get some form of an advanced degree. I had the mindset that for someone my age, getting an advanced degree was like the equivalence of someone my parents' age getting a college degree. So I didn't know if I'd be going to law school or business school, but the MBA path, just for a variety of reasons, was the more natural path for me. And it was the path that I decided to go down. 
without a ton of introspection because I, I just sort of figured you had to have an advanced degree to be successful in life. Who in life can be successful without having an MBA or a law degree? No one. Now, that obviously isn't true, but that was how I thought back then. Was that family? So like you grew up like that or was it just kind of like ingrained from the people you were surrounded in like society at that? Definitely big impact. My family had a big impact on it. Both my parents have advanced degrees. My dad has a law degree. My mom has a master's degree in education. So actually a master's degree in English, Uh, but my mom spent her career as an educator. So education certainly was a big part of my value system growing up and going to college was a given going to graduate school wasn't a given, but it was something that was pretty close to you. Where do you get your inspiration for your speeches and the essays that you write and everything? Are you reading other books when you talk to other people or it's just like past experiences? So that's a Taylor. That's actually a really good question. The inspiration is different for my speaking and for my writing mm-hmm. for my writing. I write a lot about previous experiences, and I also write a lot about cultural moments or cultural themes that I think are applicable to broader lessons. So like, for example, I wrote an article in Inc. on lessons we can learn from Kojo. I don't know how much your listeners follow college football, but LSU won the national championship in college football this past year. The coach is Ed Orgeron. His nickname is Coach O. And he's a fascinating guy, really, really interesting character. Coach O was actually the defensive line coach when I was in college at USC. And he's had a lot of ups and downs on his journey and is just such an interesting guy. And there is so much that we can learn from him as leaders, as entrepreneurs. And I felt inspired to write an article, what entrepreneurs can learn from Coach O. So that would be an example of the kind of article that I'll write. As far as my speaking goes, I really try to think about who I'm speaking to and what my audience can benefit from most significantly. So if I'm giving a talk to a college crowd or to a high school crowd, I mean, Maybe someone listening is is hearing this and is feeling inspired and wants to bring me into their college or into their high school or into their organization. And the way that I think about it is what is the message that is going to be most powerful to your group? So if I'm speaking to an undergraduate business group, that might be one message. If I'm speaking to general student group, that could be another message. If I'm speaking in a classroom, that could be a completely different message. If I'm speaking in an orientation setting, that could be a different message. The themes might be similar because I'm really trying to inspire whomever is in my audience to be as successful as possible, to be the best versions of themselves as possible. But the kinds of stories I'll tell, the kind of the kinds of the, the, the kinds of narratives might shift a little bit depending on who it is I'm speaking to and how I believe I can most powerfully connect with them. That's interesting that you have two different ways of kind of going about the presentation, whether it's for like an essay or for a speech. 
So if you had, so if you saw a complete stranger on the street and they came up to you and you had 30 to 60 seconds to describe to them what would you, what you do, what would you say? Well, now if a complete stranger comes up to me, I can't talk to them because we have to socially distance. <laughs> this is so I, I tell them good luck. Are you describing that in 30 seconds? My God. <laughs> when someone asks me, what do you do? I say, what do you do? <laughs> I don't, really, I don't really want to talk about myself. It's like when you go on a date. So when you're, when you're dating and you're going on dates, most people love talking about themselves. It's the most, you know, oldest and most popular topic. Like what do people like talking about more than themselves? Except for me. I don't really enjoy talking about what I do. And I'm interested in learning about other people. I already know what I do. I already know what my life is about and I don't know what your life is about. Taylor, what do you do? I want to learn about you. I want to learn about, so if I saw you on the street and you asked me, Adam, what do you do in 30 to 60 seconds? I would say, Taylor, you don't want to know that. What do you do? Tell me about your podcast. I like that. That's a good response. What's an average day look like for you? Uh, there really is no average day. Well, now, now there is an average day because my average day consists of a lot of sheltering. <laughs> but prior to coronavirus, there really is no average day in the life of an entrepreneur. You're doing so many different things, which is what makes it great. When you have a traditional corporate job, some of the jobs I had previously, I could tell you at 8 o'clock you do this, at 9 o'clock you do that, at 10 o'clock you do that, at 2 o'clock you do that. My God, I'm tired even just talking about it. Yeah. yeah, it's awful. As an entrepreneur, every day you're doing something different. and Today, I've spent most of my day sitting here doing podcast interviews. It's been kind of a weird day where I'm talking to you, Taylor. I'm talking to your audience. I've been interviewed now by a ton of other podcasters. And I've been spending all day doing something that I love doing, which is talk about leadership, talking about helping people become their best selves, and doing something that I hate doing, which is talking about me, talking about my job. What is the Velos group and what is this and what is that? So, so it's kind of been a fun day and a not so fun day. But, but Taylor, this is actually fun. What are two pros and two cons to, well, to your job or what you do basically? So I'll tell you what the, the cons first. So a couple of things that are tough about what I do. Number one is there's no real financial security. You're, you don't have a paycheck. When you have a job, you have someone who's paying you. When you're an entrepreneur, you really eat what you kill. That's tough. Not going to sugarcoat it. That is tough. Number two is there are a lot of stresses and pressures that come with it. You're worried about supporting not only yourself, but anyone on your team. Paying for the people around you. Making sure that they're taken care of. You're worried about competition. You're worried about the market. You're worried about lots of things. So there are a lot of stresses that come with being an entrepreneur. What is great about it is you're doing what you love. You're doing what, I mean, what is better than waking up and being inspired by what you do each and every day? We were talking a couple of minutes ago about jobs I've had previously and you spend the entire day staring down a clock and you look at the clock and you're like, my God, it's only 2.30? How the hell am I going to get to five? 
how am I going to get to six? This is terrible. As an entrepreneur, it's nine o'clock at night and you're like, man, I, I could use a couple more hours. So that, that's number one is, is just loving what you do and being passionate about what you do. And number two is being able to make a positive impact in other people's lives. I love that. I love being able to do work that is really meaningful to other people and being able to make a difference. Sounds like you're on the correct trajectory here. So my four final questions for you. The first one is if you had a book written about you, what would the book title be? Mm, that's a good one. <laughs> Keller, my God. What do you think the book should be called? This is a personal choice. It could what be something you... about leadership or it could be, you know, like you've wanted, I mean, you still have time. You can still own um, a baseball team. So it could be something about that. Let's come back to this one. Okay. I need some time to think about it. It's we'll, a good... circle, we'll circle what back. The, what title will be called? Yeah. Would childhood you, so you as a kid, be happy with where you are now and what you're doing? I'd like to think so. Yeah. Right. If you had 24 hours to live, unlimited money and could travel anywhere at the snap of your fingers, what would you do? I would spend the time with my family. Are you at your parents' house, your house, or somewhere else special or anything in particular? The location doesn't matter, but I would just spend it with my loved ones. All right. All right. So the last question is the title of the podcast. So it's just what's next. You can take it in whatever sense. So what's next, like any other ventures that you want to try out or what's next with the Velaz group and anything else that you have going on? So right now I'm, I have so much going on that I'm less focused on creating something new tomorrow. With that said, I always have lots of new ideas that are on the horizon and I'm sure it won't be long before something new sprouts up. But my big focus, in addition to my businesses, in addition to my speaking, is getting 30-minute mentors as widespread adoption as possible. Because what I'm doing with that show is really trying to make accessible the best network of mentors possible. And anyone tuning in is likely at a place in their life when they understand the importance of having a great mentor. And what I'm doing through the show is bringing the best network of mentors possible to listeners in 30 minute increments. So that's my big focus now and my big focus for the immediate future. My two takeaways from my conversation with Adam both revolve around the notion of to keep moving forward and adjust as you go depending on what life throws at you. The first is to be nimble, and the second is to set plans and goals, but instead of using red or black ink, whatever your ink of choice is, set them in pencil because you might need to use an eraser to tweak your goals and your plans as you go and you adjust and your life changes. And that's perfectly okay. But keep setting plans and goals for your life that you want to achieve. 